night, and uh, it was that was pretty nuts, man. I mean, he had over a million unique views, and I was you were watching it too. Like, did you see it go over three hundred thousand people at any given time last night? Yeah, I think it did. I think it hit like three hundred six that a hundred thousand. It was pretty. Uh, that's it. Kind of shows how transcending Pokemon is. Like Pokemon is just uh, from from if you're twenty five years old, twelve years old, forty years old, fifty years old. Like you're some for some reason these cards kind of just give you that feeling that you just kind of want to see it, right? It, yeah, man. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy because like. I watched that live stream and Logan last night, he said a bunch of times just how good it made him feel. Like he just, you know, he's a kid, he's a kid at heart. He's 25 years old. So he's a young guy anyway, but he's got this reach. He's got this audience. He's got this influence. And you could tell the, the pure joy that he had last night opening up these packs. I mean, he got faster as the night went on, which was great because at the beginning it was very slow getting through those first few packs. But can you explain? And we are live, by the way, right now. So, hello, everybody watching. Welcome to the show. Um, who who's that? Is if that's Jeff, let me know. Just type your name in it and repunch it, so I know who we have uh, anonymous on Facebook. If you're anonymous on Facebook, you can also just go to the go to YouTube and just uh, if you if you have a Google account or a Gmail account, you can you can comment on Google and your name will show up as well. But um, but thank you for joining everybody. So I'll just uh, I'm I'm here with Karn Rye. That that's Karn right over <laughs> there, right there. That's Karn, and uh, Karn was my guest on an earlier episode of Sports Cards Live. Um, he's the gentleman who did commission that study on computerized grading. We're not getting into that at all tonight. We talked about that a bit earlier on the on the main episode of Sports Cards Live tonight. But we're talking about Pokemon tonight because of what happened yesterday. And Karn and I. Both watched Logan Paul's live stream last night, uh, where he broke a box of this of this uh, first edition Pokemon booster packs. Karn, like I don't know much about it, but you you have some specific insight into the box. So, what was this box exactly for people who may not understand Pokemon? And what was your involvement in, in Logan buying it? Never mind when he went on to sell it. Yeah, so 1999, this box came out. That's when. Uh... Pokemon first uh, came to North America. So first edition booster boxes were actually only released in uh, primarily in the West Coast of uh, North America. So they're very scarce, even in 1999. Um, the first Japanese cards came out in 96. So the fad was already brewing. So once 99 came around, they're were, they were a very uh, hot topic and, and for kids, right? So they're, they're selling out right away. So ever since the beginning, Pokemon has been this tremendous giant amongst kids. And and if you look at uh, some of the guys that kind of own the market right now, there were, there were 30, 40-year-olds in 1999 collecting Pokemon cards as well. And it kind of shows how transcending the market has always been. So this box is kind of that holy grail item. Um, and Logan Paul won it uh, uh, at Heritage Auctions for about 217000 US dollars. So... How many packs are in a box? So it's 36 packs. Um, 12 hollows come out of a box. There's 16 hollows in a set. So chances are you do hit one of either a Venusaur, Blastoise, or a Charizard. So it, it, the box does have like value right out of the gate, right? And uh, yeah, Logan Paul last night hit a Charizard, Venusaur, and a Blastoise. So it was a... Uh, just reading the comments in the community, it was it was a fantastic box. So it was very exciting to see. How many? Uh, how many? Um, you, you said there's 36 packs in a box. How much did he buy the box for? 
200 it was two hundred and twenty thousand dollars after uh uh two hundred twenty thousand dollars after taxes fees the the buyer's premium and all that so quite a bit and bit. then and then he sold the packs for eleven thousand one hundred and eleven dollars each so he sold the box for four hundred yeah three ninety six and I think the math comes out to you Three ninety nine nine ninety six. Yeah, so yeah. basically four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So, so, I mean that that seems like some pretty sweet arbitrage for him there to very quickly turn two hundred and twenty thousand dollars into four hundred thousand dollars. But did he do it? Like, did the money go to charity, or did he keep that profit, or was the the money raised for like because yeah. during the during the stream, people I was watching it, people were donating money constantly, two dollars here, five dollars there. He raised well over $100,000 last night. Did he also donate his profit from the box to charity? Yeah, that's what um, I'm I'm pretty sure that's what the case was. And people also have to remember uh, when he first bought that box, uh, $220,000 box, but the, the highest PSA 10 first edition sale of Charizard at that point was only $75,000. So When did he buy the box? Uh, it was about last month. So, so last very... Month. So very quickly, those packs went up in value and he was, so whoever, all the people that bought the packs for 11,111, they, that was a fair price. Uh, yeah, like there's, it's a contentious issue in, uh, in the Pokemon community for sure. Um, people, some people think that it shouldn't have been $400,000 after a month, but you also have to remember that this is Logan Paul and he's doing a break on uh, on his youtube channel and he's shouting out everyone that's buying a pack but there's a little bit of money going towards that shout out too you're you're getting your name in front of three hundred and six thousand viewers so it's, so you mentioned to me earlier that he bought that box but uh i'll let you say it so what was your involvement were, were you trying to buy that same box he was yeah so i actually got uh a little tip that uh logan paul uh was looking for a first edition base set box so I, I was actually in on that auction and uh, I really wanted this box. I've had a first edition PSA 10 charts or prior and sold it way too early. So I had that heartache and I just wanted to get another Pokemon artifact before things blew up. So I actually was the person he outbid at the end and he basically beat me out to buy that box. But fortunate, fortunately for me, I found a way to buy another copy uh, about two, three days prior as well. So, oh, so you were actually looking to buy a second box? Yeah, I was looking. At, I, I, I truly believe in Pokemon and uh, and the longevity of it. So I, I felt like it was something that was going to blow, and obviously it did. So <laughs> that is crazy, man. So you, you, so had you outbid him last night, wouldn't have even happened. He or it might have. He would have had to find yeah. a box somewhere else. Well, I was looking, uh, he actually shared a screenshot of his uh, max bid and it was way larger than what he actually uh, paid for it. So I, I wouldn't have came close, actually. Okay, okay. <laughs> it was uh, 160 and uh, his max bid was 220 prior to buyer's premium. So he was okay. ready uh, upwards of 280 at that point. Crazy. Cra okay, we're going to say hi to all the people watching and then... Um, I want you to do just for a couple minutes when we when, after we do that, just to explain, because I mean, I know I'm a rookie when it comes to Pokemon. I'm, I'm assuming that most of, of our audience tonight doesn't know a lot about Pokemon. So maybe you can give us a, a quick synopsis of so what's what's all the ruckus about? Why? Why is the world the world crazy about Pokemon? So think about that for a second. 
We'll say hello to Costa. What's up, my man? Good to see you, Paul. You're back. Hello again, Al G. Welcome to After Hours. Paul Cashman says, okay, thank you, Paul. Terry says, did they pull anything great in that break? Yeah, they they did. They pulled all the big ones and multiples of some other ones. Yep. They had so, the big three and all the hard cards to get, basically. So, And multiple of the Pikachu yellow cheeks, like seven or eight of those. I don't know much about it, but apparently that's a good card, too. Yeah. Joe says, if Jeremy got me interested in hockey... Maybe Pokemon is possible too. Well, Joe, what I'll say to that is we're in it together now. We can get interested in Pokemon together. I'm just starting, but I have dabbled already. I will admit I have dabbled already. I've I've dipped my toes in the Pokemon waters. Patrick Heroes, welcome to the show. Good to have you. Yam says, Terry was a really great box. All the big hollows were pulled. So the base set is like however many cards, 150 cards. But the first 16 cards are these hollows. They have that shiny background among in the main art area. Mm. So they're just extra special. Like you said, Karn, you open up a box, you're going to get, what did you say, 12 hollows in a box. So you're going to get 12 of the 16. And if you hit the big three, like he did last night, you're way ahead of the game. Mm. Okay. And especially with... Um... PSA 10 price is exploding as, as we speak. So that box is just, uh, it was, it was definitely a top 10% box. So it was pretty special. So got pretty, pretty lucky then for sure. Costa says, how was the centering on the Charizard? I believe it was a tad off side to side, yeah, wasn't it? I would, I would, uh, I would bet it would, uh, most would be PSA nines. Uh, there was, I think the Blastoise that he pulled uh, seemed like a PSA 10 centering. So maybe I'll get one there, but uh, most of them look like PSA nines, unfortunately. But these oh, are yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Raw and untouched, fresh out of the pack on video. Like, that's pretty cool. Yam says he bought four to five packs for himself and his buddies out of that. Okay, or he kept them for himself. So, hey, why not, right? Patrick, how did you feel when you saw the box, Frank? Yeah, I mean, I got to admit, I was like, this isn't real right away. I'm like, there's no way this is happening. Uh, but so that was my, I, I didn't believe it from the start. Yeah. I, I legit didn't believe it from the start. Were you fooled at all? I, I think, uh, there was a little ink, like, uh, there's a little part of me, like, wait, maybe he's doing it to, it's going to cause an uproar and it'll be like the, the biggest controversy in the world. Like the potential chance was there, but, uh, I thought it was faking all in all in general, but yeah, same here. same here, same here. What else we got? Uh, Troublemaker cards. Welcome to the show. Eli says still have one sealed Pokemon Jungle first edition box tucked away. Insane with that box. Wow, Eli, that sounds pretty wicked. I mean, I understand there's some crazy good cards in there. What would that be worth nowadays, Karn? I think it's about, uh, it's starting to hit about like 12, 13,000 US around there, maybe 14 now. It's nothing like 400 grand, but that's still substantial. Still substantial. Billy says, were there stated odds on those products originally? Well, 12, you got 12 of the 16. So you're, you know, you're 75% uh, chance of hitting the, the big one, right? Yeah. Yeah. You get, uh, there might be doubles and stuff. So I think the, the math is about like 60% on hitting a Charizard. So not bad still no. not bad. Eric, welcome to the show. Welcome everybody to after hours. Uh, this might be Travis now says I should have, Kept most of my Pokemon. I cashed in on it way too early. At least I kept my graded first edition Gym Heroes set. See, yesterday I didn't know what that meant. First edition Gym Heroes set. Today I do because I spent some time last night with my buddy Ralph and he was kind of kind of giving me, I was actually talking to him 
on FaceTime while I was watching the stream and he was kind of getting me up to speed on things. Hey guys, don't know who you are, Facebook user, by, by that, but welcome to the show. And if you type your name in the comment before you type something, that would be really helpful. I'd love to know who you are. Logic bought the PS. Yes, Logic brought bought the PSA 10 Charizard last night. Different different event from the Iconic Auctions sale. And if you haven't heard yet, the president of Iconic Auctions, Jeff Wolf, will be joining us within five minutes or so. So he'll be on to talk about what that meant for his company. Pretty cool for him. Jeff's a personal friend of mine, very close friend, and so it was. Uh, you know, it just kind of seemed right to get him come on too with Karn and talk about that. There he is in the back room. Jeff, I see you. We'll bring you out in two minutes. Uh, Costa says, I started collecting Pokemon again recently. Again, people are going crazy over Hidden Fates and Champion's Path. Yeah, and Costa, I don't know much about this stuff, but I look at these cards. They are beautiful. Like, I I never thought I'd be into Pokemon, but these cards are beautiful. Just stunning, stunning looking. Okay, I'm going to bring out Jeff for a minute now. Not for a minute. I'm going to bring out Jeff, and let's see. I might have to remove the After Hours banner at the top. Let's see how it looks. But it might cut off our heads, Karn, so let's see. It sure does. It sure does. So we're going to just move that out of the way. Jeff, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, Jer. How are you, brother? I am good, my man. I am good. Hey, awesome. listen, congrat congratulations on, uh, on, on last night. Like, how exciting was that for you? It was uh, crazy. It was just totally crazy. I mean... Uh, I just heard you say how the Pokemon cards are beautiful. You're getting into it. I personally, I appreciate the passion for it, but I just, I, I don't, it's something I don't personally get. I feel like it's a generation, uh, it's a generational thing and I totally respect it. Um, you know, it seems like the 25 to 35 crowd really connects with it. So I feel like I'm just a hair past that being 40. But um, it, last night was crazy. I mean, we had, uh, you know, we had a ton of signups. We had uh, two different celebrities, obviously one celebrity being the known one, Logic, who won. I know of at least one other celebrity that signed up for the auction. Uh, and um, I don't think participated, but they definitely signed up and were gunning for Pokemon stuff. And it was cool. Was Were you guys, like, were you, were you, together with with your staff like were you with were you with uh jared and um oh gosh her name is escaping me and angela and uh angela were you, were you all together kind of watching the bids come in at the end yeah no um uh you know we did it all remotely you know in this day and age everything being uh you, you know computer based and being quote unquote after hours uh, you know, we pretty much do it remotely and then we just all chat and interface that way. And we have the calls forwarded to cell phones um, because most of the bidding and most of the interaction is done on the Internet. Uh, and that that's the, the way we did it. And we were just all kind of conversing. And I just felt the energy, especially in the Charizard, the response and the people that were calling in. I felt the energy for it. I, I thought it would hit 150 plus a premium. And uh, obviously it did even better than that. So it met and exceeded expectations. Yeah. So just for everybody watching and for you too, Karn, and thank you for Karn for waiting patiently. Um, so I'm good friends with Jeff. And when I go to the national in Chicago, Cleveland, wherever it is, I, I hang out. The, the iconic auctions booth is where I leave my stuff. And that's, that's my headquarters is their booth. Right. So I go and I hang out and they always end one of their auctions during the national 
And on the Saturday, you guys are, you know, you guys are busy. You guys are watching your auctions. You're, you're, you're dealing with things. And I kind of imagined the same sort of environment for you yesterday during this. And I'm sure that's what you had, except you were all remote. So, um, you know, what's it, you know, you set a record last night, Jeff, that's big deal. Yeah. What does it, what does it mean for iconic auctions? I mean, you guys are kind of, you're, you're more of the, the second tier type of auctions in terms of the, the heritage and the, I think you are, I don't mean to, to put, to no, put you. To, to, I, it, we, we've, I think we've had this discussion before about it and it, it's, uh, you know, it, it's a, uh, fair and accurate assessment. I there, you know, if you're talking, there's basically, in my opinion, there's two big fish at the top of the food chain and that would be heritage and golden right now you know they have uh auctions that go it, not just uh seven figures eight uh eight figures um i think golden's last one was 10 million heritage now is in the is in the 10 plus million range every time they have an auction uh but um yeah i mean to to be uh, you know quote unquote mid-level auction and have something like this and as you know not only with the Charizard, but we had a couple other records being uh, the the rock card that went for the, the nine that went for five grand and having the rock comment. I, I woke up this morning to uh, Darren Ravel sending me a, a message saying, oh, my gosh, did you see this yet? And I just saw the rock commenting on the card. I just saw that part of it. And then I clicked on it and I saw it was him responding to Darren's tweet about us also selling uh, the rock card. And it was like, uh, you know, icing on, on top of the or cherry on top of the cake, so to say. It was, wow. it was crazy. And then to see, I, I was going to reach out to TMZ uh, and let them know about it because I knew it was a story that would gain traction with them before I could even do that. They had already picked up on it and wrote a story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I saw all that, man. And I was I think I texted you today. I'm like, hey, you know, I don't know if you know, but uh, all these people are talking about it. And I yeah, mean, yeah, like. It was um, very exciting, but congratulations to you, Jeff, because, thank you. you know, I mean, obviously the iconic auctions brand gained a ton of traction in the last 24 hours and it, when it didn't cost you a dime, really. I mean, yeah. that, that's that's wonderful. That, that, that doesn't get any better than that. And I'll just say to anybody watching, if you're watching this tonight or you're watching this a month or two or three or four down the road and you trust me for whatever reason, I mean, iconic, like I said, Jeff's a personal, uh, a personal friend of mine and uh, a good one, someone I know very well. And so, you know, don't hesitate to do business with iconic auctions. I say that, like, I, I'm vouch, I vouch, I vouch for iconic auctions. Not that you need my vouching, Jeff, but, you know, for anyone who hasn't heard of iconic auctions yet, it seems like you're going to hear them more. And I certainly vouch for you and your integrity and the way you do business. I, so I want to say that well, and put that out there. I appreciate that, Jaron. Listen, I mean, look, coming from me just as a friend, I appreciate it. But, you know, uh, in the last, uh, how long have you been doing Sports Cards Live? Has it been like, uh, I want to say, seven, nine months, somewhere around that? It, it, it's been, I started in, April 16th was episode one, so six, okay. seven months. In that short time span, you've also built up a bit of momentum. So not only as a friend, but as somebody who's now, you know, you've built up your own brand in the business. I appreciate that, you know, obviously the good words and, uh, you know, I was just talking to somebody earlier today about how um, this craziness, I mean, I, I thought in, in March uh, when this all became a, you know, a serious issue, the, the COVID-19, I was kind of thinking about batting down the hatches and that people were going to run away from collectibles because, uh, you know, people were losing their jobs and, you know, this was going to be a, a major issue. 
and um, and affect the uh, the world in a big way. And uh, everything I thought about how it would affect the market was the opposite has happened. The market's exploded. Uh, You know, uh, uh, sports cards, autographs, Pokemon, you know, in all facets. And we saw that, you know, our auction that that happened, there was it was two sessions. There was a first session that had autographs and memorabilia and a second session that had sports cards and Pokemon. So last night and uh, uh, Thursday night, we really got to see the market and the state of the market and how well it responded on all all aspects of the auction so so yeah that that's that's cool right because you've got eyes into the market that a lot of us don't have as the president of an auction company you know who's bidding you know where they're located for the most part and you know yeah i mean i just doing a quick count in my head i want to say there's at least six or seven countries that were involved last night uh well over the two nights um, Australia, uh, China, Japan, Canada, um, United States, um, uh, Mexico. Um, I, I'm, I know I'm forgetting some of them here, uh, but yeah, I mean, just off the top of my head, those are the names I could rattle off just, just thinking about it. Uh, but when I remember thinking about, I was going to talk to you and that might come up and I, I'm pretty sure it was seven countries I counted in total. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. And I mean, that that speaks to the worldwide appeal of, you know, I don't know how many of those countries are. Be- what drove the what drove those countries? Was it the Pokemon or the sports or or a bit of both? Right. Big. Uh, uh, so um, big. Uh, there is a couple people from Canada that were uh, big in the Pokemon lots because, you know, we sold the Charizard, which was a substantial. But we also sold uh, two other cards, substantial cards from that set, which were. Um, uh, the Venusaur and the Blastoise, I believe it was. Yeah, those both went to the five figures. Um, but so we had Canada uh, involved in that. Um, there, there was some uh, act, some serious action from Australia, and I believe uh, there was a serious Chinese bidder that was uh, participating on the Charizard in particular. But you know, we obviously know who the winner was. Uh, um, that was something uh, I was. Uh, I, you know, since he's logic's a celebrity, I was thinking, you know, maybe this is something where I should reach out and ask them if it's okay to, to, um, get permission to publicize that he won. That was another thing I woke up to. Apparently he had some interaction with Logan Paul and mentioned that he was the high bidder. So that took care of that. Yeah. That makes it easier for you. You don't need, now you don't need permission. It's out there in the, in the public domain and all yeah. that, right? So yeah, so, uh, Karn, who's who's joining. By the way, Karn, Jeff, Jeff, Karn. Hello, Karn. Nice to meet you. So Jeff, Karn is a uh, you know in my mind he's he's one of the leading guys in terms of Pokemon that I know. Anyway, I know there's big guys out there for sure, but Karn's someone I have a relationship with. And Karn guy, yeah. <laughs> what's that? I said um, I know a lot of Pokemon for a sports guy. Yes, exactly. Sure. But Karn, you yeah. started off with Pokemon and then got into sports cards, isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. So it, you went that way where now a lot of people are going the other way, but I'm sure it's, it's, it's like we said, it's, it's multi-directional right now. It's a lot of crossover and all that. But so Karn, did, were you in on any of these auctions last night with Iconic? I think, uh, I, I was, I was in on the Charizard, um, up to like a point in the six figures, but, uh, it started going super high and I actually had a PSA 10 Charizard prior. And, um, Jeremy, you can probably attest to this. Sometimes when you sell a card that, you used to own you feel like this heartache and you don't want to 
pay like a triple triple amount of the price that you sold it for. That's kind of what happened with me yeah. on that. Case. But uh, yeah. just judging based on the community, it wasn't a shock at all. Like that two hundred twenty thousand dollars sale. Like uh, I'm in a lot of hardcore Pokemon forums, and uh, um, there was a lot of big players trying to get that card over the last two months for one hundred fifty k, and no one could ever find it. So it wasn't a shock at all. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Yeah, it, it's awesome. So, well, Jeff, I mean, you're, uh, I, I don't know what else, man. Like, I, I'm just so happy for you. And I'm, I'm, I, you know, it was yesterday was such an exciting day in the world of Pokemon between your auction, between Logan Paul's lot. Were you aware that what Logan Paul was doing with his live stream? Yeah, I was. Um, Jared actually told me in the morning, I, I was talking to him and uh, he mentioned that Logan Paul was going to be doing a live stream that went live at six Pacific. Um, and our auction went into extended bidding at seven. Um, and so he was thinking like, Oh, maybe that will wrap up. And as soon as that wraps up, uh, you know, we'll do our auction. Uh, uh, but I think how many, he opened like three boxes, right? I, I just saw one. Did he do more after? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I just saw one too. I, I, I thought, uh, somebody had told me that he had done multiple boxes. Maybe I was wrong, but, um, he got it. Did he get a char? He got a Charizard early in the, in the poll, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay. 10th pack or something like that. So, okay. Yeah. Cause I, I came at the very tail end my, cause I told my kids about what was going on. Cause they're really into the, the Pokemon thing. And, uh, they ran and pulled up his, uh, his, uh, when he was ripping the packs and he was down like his final two or three packs. And, you know, we didn't see any Charizard. But uh, it was exciting. I mean, you know, being somebody who's uh, and, you know, uh, you, you know, Jared, obviously, Jeremy, my consignment director. And for the last couple of years, he was telling me this is something that's going to come to fruition. This is going to be a big thing. And, you know, it's going to be one of the next big waves in collecting. And uh, it was one of those things where he called it right on the money. And he, know. you know, he said, especially that first edition set, everything he, he saw, he had the vision for sure. And so it was kind of neat to just talk to somebody. I think it was even at a national. I was talking with him at, uh, you know, an extent about it and to see it, you know, come from, from that, you know, just having a conversation when it, it, it was nowhere near that level and to see it evolve and evolve and evolve uh, to this point was, was great. It was fun. And it, it was exciting. And it, it felt like in a good way, being in the eye of a storm last night, you know, it was like, uh, there was all this, this positive chaos going around, going on around me. I was getting messages from people and, uh, I was, uh, our, all of our social media stuff, we were getting messages from people. And I was, we were like every few minutes I'd see us getting tagged by somebody, you know, who was making a post. Um, and then seeing, uh, I, I interfaced with, uh, with, uh, logic's manager. Uh, he actually came in late. He came in, um, probably, uh, hour before we went into extended bidding uh to register um <laughs> and, and it was just kind of like you know he came out of nowhere and i was like oh wow you know this is interesting and he actually uh when the manager called up he said yeah i'm calling for uh uh for uh sir robert uh sir robert hall uh and i'm his uh you know, i'm his manager's rep and I, I need to get him set up for bidding and i was like who i i didn't know what his real name was I was like, who's this English guy that, you know, <laughs> wants to be, cause I'm thinking Sir Robert. Um, and then I looked up the name, I Googled the name just to see, I'm like, I wonder who this guy is. 
and logic popped up. I was like, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. You know, because he's right in the middle of that, what I would call the demographic, the prime demographic for Pokemon, which is that 25 to 35 range. The kids that kind of grew up when that thing, when Pokemon became uh, a thing in America. Basically, so, you know. basically like Jared's age, right? Jared. So for anybody watching, yeah. Jared, Jared works with Jeff at Iconic Auctions. And when I'm at the National every year, and again, I'm hanging out at the Iconic Auctions booth, uh, Jared's there. Jared's there. You know, he's manning the booth. He's talking to your consignees, your customers. Yeah. And I remember, I don't know how many years ago it was, we're sitting there, me and Jared, he's telling me about Pokemon and I was 10% interested, you know? Yeah. I was like, whatever. Like, I, yeah. I, I believed it, but I, wa I wasn't that interested in it. Boy, do I wish, boy, do I wish I could go back now and, right? And and buy, buy something on his advice because I can only imagine what he's sitting on now. And I actually wonder, was it his card that you sold last night? I, and I'm not asking you, you don't have to tell me, but I mean, I wondered that. Yeah, 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 no, I mean, it, it was a consignment, uh, you know, from a consigner, but, um, uh, you know, he actually, he was telling me about uh, how, how much momentum the Charizard was getting, at, you know, as he was trying to work on that, and um, I don't know if you guys discussed this yet, but uh, Rally Road actually put out an offering for a Charizard set, and uh, he was like you should get in on this because their their valuation is like one hundred twenty five thousand dollars on the set, and he goes, I'm telling you, this thing is 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 just poised to just blow up any time now. Like it's going to start surging big time. And I actually went in on it, and uh, you know, in selling that stuff now, and I was talking to Jared uh, uh, earlier today, and he he thinks the set's a four to five hundred thousand dollar set now. So just it's just crazy because the set sold a set. A complete set of ten uh, PSA tens sold in uh, April, I think it was, for just a little over a hundred thousand dollars. So, just the momentum of this is uh, is just crazy. So, Karn, when, when Jeff says a complete set, does he mean like the whole hundred and fifty cards or whatever, or does he mean the sixteen hollows? Uh, there's a hundred and three. Yeah. 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 And so uh, red cheeks Pikachu and a yellow cheeks Pikachu. There's two of them. So. So when okay. Jeff says a complete set, and maybe Jeff, no, are you talking about a whole hundred and three yeah, cards? The hundred and three, the hundred and three card set. I think it was golden. It sold in uh, for like a hundred and nine or a hundred and seven, hundred four, one of those numbers. I forget. It was just a tad over a hundred. Okay. Um, and that was for an entire set. We sold three cards last night before the buyer's premium for two hundred and twenty thousand. You add in the buyer's premium, it's over a quarter mil. Or more, actually, if you add in the buyer's premium. No, it's probably because the Charizard alone was 220-something, plus the Venusaur and the Blastoise were like, uh, one was 30-something thousand plus a premium, and the other one was 20-something thousand. For, so you're talking like 300, close to 300 grand on those three cards alone, if I'm doing my math right. Yeah. And there's still 100 other cards in the set, including like those Pikachus and whatnot, and they're all not worth, I know, five figures, but still. Uh, you know, it would add up really quickly. It sure uh, what, card worth uh, thirty, uh, which is the Chansey. So you add that in there. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, so you put that in there. Now you're at three thirty, and you yeah. still got ninety nine cards left. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's uh, it, it's unbelievable. So I wonder, and, and more of a question for you, Karn. Well, either of you. I mean, and it, it's it goes hand in hand with what's going on in the sports card world right now. I suppose in terms of 
value the val the trajectory of these values. But what do you think, Karn? Like that set that went, you know, hundred grand to probably four hundred grand right now. Let's say it's worth now. What's next? Like, is it going to level off? What is your prediction, Karn? Is it going to level off? Is it going to come down? Are we at a peak now, or is it going to keep on going? And I mean, let me just also say that. You know, I'm a guy, I'm a sports card guy who is now dipping his toes in the water. So, I mean, that right there tells me that it might just go like this. If I'm, I know I'm not alone. What, what do you think, Karn? Where, where do you think it's going? And Jeff, I'll pose the same question to you when Karn's done. I think uh, you might see a little bit of a price retraction just because of how parabolic it went. But uh, I think long term over a time horizon, it's, it's kind of a no brainer set. This is just the original and it's, it's the number one grossing multimedia franchise of all time. We're talking the biggest thing in the last 20 years. And the one big thing that I see in a parallel with sports cards is Panini releases 30 sets a year. 30 sets a year. And all of Pokemon, uh, Pokemon from 1999 to today, there's like 40 sets. So that's... Yeah, not, and you're talking about bat. When you say Panini does 30 sets, you're only talking about basketball too, aren't you? Or are you talking about basketball and football? Well, yeah. So we're just there's, not, there's not a lot of different unique cards in Pokemon. So a pool of money is going to go to less number of cards, right? So in that sense, I think there's a lot of room in a lot of sets. What do you think, Jeff? Well, I, I mean, I, I think. Uh, there, there is always that you wonder where the peak is going to be and if there will be a retraction. But uh, I think a couple things come into play. One, I think, is that, like Karn kind of referenced, the real limited rarity of the, the Pokemon. There so few sets, and especially the 1999, the first edition ones, the, the rarity of them. Um, and also something that Jared brought up was the condition sensitivity of the cards and you know even though like uh logan pulled that that card yesterday um it's probably gonna grade a nine uh because uh the, you know they're so condition sensitive uh and i think uh, the grading companies are because they're so high value now they're going to be so critical that you know just by the by the nature of them becoming more valuable they pay pay closer attention to them when they are worth you know five to ten thousand dollars you know they probably pay a certain level of attention to them but when they start to get in the six figures i think it's just human nature uh since human nature goes into the element of grading that they're going to be more critical uh of of giving something a 10 unless it's really a flawless card so i think that even though you know there's unopened boxes out there I think the opportunity of seeing an influx of tens is slim to none, and uh, as long as the rarity keeps up with the with the response I saw and the people that were like the people that had money that signed up that were playing for this and Karn referenced that you know there was a ton of there was a bunch of people trying to find them at one fifty, and the type of money that's going on in the card market. Um, I think there's more traction for it. And especially since if you really think about it, this buying segment is newer to the market, you know, and they're not necessarily guys that have tired themselves out on sports cards yet. Like I don't, I don't know logic personally. Um, but 
uh, I don't think he's collecting sports cards. I think he's just gone deep into this Pokemon based on what I've read about him and, and whatnot. I think there's a lot of guys like that. So my, my, my personal guess is that there's, there's still a little bit more uh, traction on it. Yeah, to add on to that, um, I think the Pokemon mindset is still in its beginning stages. Uh, for example, I, I go through the forums and everyone speaks about this new modern set that was released in 2019 called Hidden Fate, uh, Hidden Fates. And the pop report on that Charizard across PSA and Beckett is about 2,000 cards are graded. And that is considered wild, like absolutely wild that there's 2,000 of these Charizards. And I look at it and I see Luka Doncic silver prisms. There's four or five thousand of them. Prism bases. There's twelve, thirteen thousand graded, and they still go for two thousand, three thousand US dollars. The Pokemon market is still suppressing the Charizard values because they think that's a high supply. But in reality, in comparison to sports cards, that isn't a high supply at all. And I think the market is a lot larger as well. And the opportunity exists down the line that a one thousand, two thousand supplied pop. Hidden Fates Charizard will be little. Like there's, that's not a lot in the grand scheme of things. So I think there's a lot of uh, room to grow in, in even the mindset of a, of a Pokemon collector. One of the things I wonder about the staying power of Pokemon, because I do believe it is a global cultural phenomenon. It's very important in today's society. I, I believe that. But how long can it go? Like, like to stay relevant, I think they need to continue to release new products. Yeah. So how long can they keep doing this before it just gets repetitive? And this is coming from somebody who's never played the game. So I don't understand the mechanics of it and what allows it to keep on for them to keep on adding new sets. And I had a, I have a list here that my buddy Ralph gave me last night and of all these sets. And I mean, at least I know what they're called now, but you know they, they have all these all these names. There's the there's the first base set. There's fossil, jungle, gym heroes, team rocket, neo genesis, neo discovery, aquapolis, neo destiny, ex ruby sapphire, ex sandstorm, dragon frontiers. It goes on and on and on. Um, how many more of these things can they do? How long can they keep on building this franchise? Jeremy, I'll give you a, a fascinating fascinating stat. The Pokemon Company says 1999 has always, year to year, had more revenue than the last year since since 1999. They have increased sales year by year till this day. Like This this thing is not stopping. It's uh, something that is just there. They know how to deal with their consumer base. Um, they know when to bring the base set Pokemon back into the into the like the, the Pokemon movies. You see you see them bringing out Char Charizard again, getting those uh, 1999 nostalgic factors involved, and those people are involved. And then there's modern Pokemon that I don't even know yet, and the, the kids these days, are that's their favorite Pokemon. So it's just kind of this generational, transcending thing that's continuing. And uh, to quote um, one of the, the, the OGs of the Pokemon community, his name is uh, King Pokemon, is what he calls himself on the forums. His name is <laughs> the guy from Pondstars. Yeah, his, uh, his thought is that Pokemon will last 20 years after the last set that gets released. And I think I agree with that. I think it's just going to be this thing that continues for a long while. Yeah, that makes sense. And the reason I think he's picking 20 years is because that's usually the length of a generation. So that, yeah. that, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense to you, Jeff. Anything to say to that? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, there's not 
you know, it's one of those unique factors where, you know, there's no living entities involved with the Pokemon. You know, it's not like Charizard gets old and dies or anything like that. Um, so just like uh, relating it to uh, entertainment or something, I talk to people and I always say like in entertainment, Star Wars is a great investment because Disney ha now has it. They can make storylines and spinoffs and do the story to perp into perpetuity. The same thing could very well happen with, with Pokemon. I mean, my kids are really into Pokemon. They know all the names of the characters. I've taken them to uh, um, local tournaments to play. Uh, and when I took them, when they first got into it, I took them to local tournaments. Um, there was a bunch of guys there that were at least my age and older. And it freaked me out at first. I was like, what are these guy, grown men doing here at this kid's game? Uh, and this is back in like 2000 and I don't know, 12, 13, before Pokemon blew up, you know, like we know it now. And uh, from a collecting standpoint, um, uh, and then I got to see how these guys had a real passion for, uh, for the product and they were into it. And, uh, uh to Karn's point about the marketing with it, I mean, they're very good about like when they have local tournaments, um, the, the company that runs Pokemon um, actually like, get, you know, they set up organized tournaments sponsored by the company and they'll send them stuff for these tournaments. And so even though it's a big brand, they know how to appeal on a grassroots level, which keeps the generations engaged. And um you know, I don't, as long as they keep making sets and artists come out yeah, and, you know, over time they, I, I, the envisionment I would see is they would maybe retire characters, but then bring in new characters. So like maybe Charizard becomes like Babe Ruth and hangs up his quote unquote cleats and his, his bat one day. And he's just in the ho Pokemon hall of fame and some other character takes his place. Um, so, you know, as long as there's interest, which, I don't see there being, uh, you know, I think it's really at the beginning stages of this. Um, I think there's at least a couple of generations worth it that are going to go into this Pokemon craze. Yeah, so I think I, that's a fascinating part too is my Pokemon growing up are different than someone five years uh, older than me or five years younger than me. Like, yeah, my Pokemon, my favorite was Lugia, second generation. But kids today, they're Rayquaza or these new Pokemon that I don't even understand or are educated on because that's not my era. It's kind of like sports. Like everyone has their goat of their era, like their uh, their Pokemon. Like their generation has this different different environment than each person that just based on age. It's, it's pretty fascinating the way they've uh, been able to develop uh, – kind of how that nostalgic factor of different Pokemon characters feels with that age group. And there's about over a thousand Pokemon out there. So. Oh, wow. So I have two, two questions. The first question is, um, Karn, do the mechanics of the game allow for the retirement of a character? Like, could they retire Charizard or would that break the game? So I think, um, so the newer sets are more based on playability while the older sets like the 1999 and the 2000s it was more so a collectible item more so less people played the game and it was more trading with friends not a lot of people played the game but nowadays they're starting to uh have that uh the, the mechanics involved more and they're they're suiting the cards to that gameplay um they don't have like a reserve list how magic has it so they haven't like retired uh 
cards to my knowledge i've i've not heard that so i think they're they're building the game more and more in the last uh, probably five five to six years well one other thing i just want to this is a question more of a statement though the one thing i do like about pokemon when you compare it to sports cards is that is that you know charizard he he, he can't go tear his mcl yeah right can't dislocate his shoulder and lose a season he also can't end up in jail for doing something stupid which we no, no, no domestic violence charges on Charizard. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen the movies yet, but you know, but uh, right, I don't. Think I so. have. I, I can say I have. I've seen the movies. So, so, that's, I, so there you go. Uh, in, in the movie, Mewtwo might might have violated some laws. He was a bad guy in uh, in the movies. But uh, in real life, I'm sure he's a perfect sweetheart, or she's yeah. a perfect. Sweetheart. <laughs> when he's when he's not acting, when he's not acting as his, as the character in a movie, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, that that that's interesting that these you know these aren't athletes, uh, obviously. And I asked when Ken Golden was on the show from Golden Auctions, I asked him, you know, is Pokemon for real? And he said, yeah, this is this is as big, if not bigger, than Spider-Man and Batman and Superman and any comic book hero you've heard of on a global level. And that really, I didn't forget that. You know that that means that 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 hit home with me. And um, you know that's where my interest comes from is the fact that this is a global cultural phenomenon, and uh, and it's here to stay. And like the guy uh, Gary, the, the the famous collector who calls himself the guy on Pawn Stars, I think on, and I'm following him on on Instagram now. Um, like like he said to you, 20 years after the last set comes out, that last set might not come out for 100 years from now. We just don't know, right? Who knows what where the world yeah. is going? But it could last a long time. So, guys, listen, we've got a ton of comments that have come in, and I I haven't even read them yet. And I know we got people in the audience, so I want to take a few minutes and just run through them. Jeff, you're welcome to join. I don't know what your time is like, but I'm happy to have you here the whole time. It's a it's a Saturday night, uh, you know, just just hanging out and working on post auction stuff. So if you want, you know, I'm more than happy to hang out here for a little bit. It's a Saturday night pandemic style. You may as well hang out, right? Exactly. exactly All right, so, buddy. so let's go through some of these comments, and we I'm sure we have some questions and that that I'll call on you guys on to speak to. So we're gonna go and start here, uh, Rome. Uh, says, can you ask if he still uses PWCC vault? I don't know who you're talking. Maybe you mean Karn. Karn, do you use the vault? Yeah, most of most of my Pokemon is in the vault, actually. So I okay. love it. There you go. Seb says, sports card values change with players' performance, championship, etc. What can make a certain Pokemon go up or down? Karn. Same thing with sports cards. It, go, it goes down to desirability, but the one thing Pokemon has for it is the market is all set collectors. Everyone is a collector. Most most people, uh, the grassroots, they're trying to catch them all. Just how the Pokemon catchphrase was, I think that's kind of ingrained in the consciousness of the, the Pokemon community. They kind of want to finish all the sets. And they're rare, the pop reports are low. So if there's 100 people trying to finish the PSA 10 set of say the second generation, Lugia only has 41 of them. So there's a hundred people trying to get 41 PSA tens, and that rises the value of the cards, right? So and so there's it, a lot of sets. So, so it, it's really uh, it's really population that drives it because you yeah. you you said you said Karn that you said it's the same thing as sports cards. It's 
it's desirability. But the question I have is what's driving that desirability? So if you're a set collector, there's no preference from one card over another within that set, just by definition of a set collector. But the populations drive, but we do know there is, because I'm not a set collector in Pokemon and I'm a new Pokemon guy now, very limited, just dipping my toes in again. And I don't know what my approach will be, but I don't think I'm going to be collecting full sets. I think I'm going to go after key characters. So what creates, what makes a character a key character? Why are, why are Charizard, Bla- Charizard Blastoise, Blastoise and um, the third guy, why are they the most desirable from the base set? Like what makes, a, what makes you desirable in, in Pokemon? So I think uh, that's just a, a fandom piece. Like Charizard has always been that character that was marketed the most. So everyone wanted that Charizard when they were young. So I kind of like the speculators in, that are investing in Pokemon cards, they kind of want to come in and uh, try to make some a little bit of money off the cards, right? So what they're trying to do is trying to attack those desirable cards that they think are going to rise in value in the future, right? And it's getting collectors in Pokemon really, really angry. Like there's a lot of angry uh, Pokemon collectors right now because yeah. all the prices are driving up, right? There's a bunch of investors that are kind of, say if there's a card like Charizard, PSA 10, there's only 180 of them, right? And now Logic has one and Steve Ioki has one, Gary V has one, or, you know, like all these investors are starting to have one. And all those collectors that have been trying to finish the sets for so long, the prices are going up on them, right? But what creates that value is kind of just like this self-fulfilling prophecy of everyone wants a Charizard because everybody wants a Charizard. You know, right? Is it is it current? Is it based on artwork? Is it is it hold on? Is it based on artwork? And is it is it also based on the 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 cards? power in the game in the gameplay itself is there and that's just an easy question like yes or no is it based on artwork uh yeah for sure and is it based on the 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 card or the character's powers within the the mechanics of the game also i would say less so of that less so that more so it's more art and 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 supply yeah nostalgia it's whatever uh you connect to um whatever you have that emotional connection to and it seems like the general population connects to charizard the most okay let's go to the next question said and i don't know who it is but uh he he or she says what should one be looking for to buy new pokemon cards uh newer releases obviously not the value but where where to and what to be looking for can you can you answer that, Karn, in, in a minute or so? Yeah, I think um, Champions Path is the one that just came out, and uh, um, Hidden Face. Those are the two probably biggest iconic sets. So that's probably what you they're in, they're at Walmart. They come in uh, tins. So that's probably okay. What you're looking for. Okay, thank you. Uh, this one's for you, Jeff. Uh, Billy wants to know how how do how do you get paid for a card for two hundred twenty thousand dollars? Is it usually just bank wire, or do these? Do, do people come and yeah. pick them up in person with a suitcase of cash? I, I've done it multitude of ways. Um, I once sold a Lou Gehrig contract to a client, and he actually paid to fly me out to New York City from Arizona to hand deliver it. Because even though I told him, look, I can I can uh, sit in this thing. I have full insurance via FedEx. So we'll get to you tomorrow morning. Um, he wasn't comfortable with that. Um, so he actually, uh, paid to fly me out there and put me up for the night in a hotel. And I went down to his, his, um, his office on park Avenue and hand delivered it, talked to him for about 10 minutes, went on my way, went back to the airport and flew home. <laughs> um, uh, you know, but a lot of time that 
that's uh, kind of a one-off. Typically, when you have bigger transactions, uh, wire transfers, the, the yeah. mode of uh, executing it. Yeah, it's not going to, no one's going to put that. And you're not going to accept a credit card for 200 grand. That's going to cost you too much in fees. Uh, no, I mean, well, we, we do it a little different in that we char, we actually will, our buyer's premium structure accounts for cards. So if you were to pay for something with a credit card, we charge 23%. But if you pay with check, money order, wire transfer, it's only 20%. Uh, but you know, when you get to this amount, it, it's it's too much involved to be messing with credit cards. And most people, especially uh, you know, on something like this, uh, it's one thing if it's a couple grand, you get points or whatever. It's another thing when it's like two hundred something thousand. You're talking difference of six thousand dollars in in fees just to swipe a card. It's ba- it's bank transfer. It's wire transfer for sure. Yeah. Frankie jumps in, says condition and rarity makes them go up. Remember, the main purpose of these is to play the game. So many cards get used and not protected properly, right? And that just, again, drives the the population like Karn was saying. I know how far behind are we? We are, wow, we're we're over, we're 30 minutes behind on these comments. So I apologize to everybody out there, but I do want to see what you were saying. Uh, Howdy to you, Legion. Nick, welcome to the show. Jamie, good to see you. Costa, what's the most expensive Pokemon card you sold? You guys sold on iconic auctions. Well, I mean, that was yesterday. The the, the Charizard that that was Charizard followed up by uh, I think it was Venusaur and then Blastoise or maybe flipped the last two, but they were all sold last night. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Just like I said, I didn't even see this before. Pikachu can't tear his ACL. That's funny. That's exactly. <laughs> I didn't even yep. read that. That's the exact example I gave. Speaking of Pikachu, though, I'm surprised that he's not me too the babe he's not the babe ruth mickey mantle because what you know again i you know being a generation out from the core of it it seems like the pikachu character was you know the the flagship character to appeal to the masses but you know i guess it comes down to preference i i would have thought for sure when i first saw these things moving uh that it was it was pikachu and i and then jared told me it was charizard talking about it and he kind of said it's more so you know what character you you know that generation connected to at that time i thought so too especially because when that pokemon go app came out a few years back and like everyone else i downloaded it just to see what all the all the excitement was about sure and it was all about uh pikachu was was the big character if i recall so anyway yeah it's charizard let's keep on rolling through here we got a couple from hattrick here do you think a lot of the impact has helped the hobby as lots of people have reached into the collections to circulate them with other collectors, which turned into a new passion. Once again, the hobby goes on to say with people seeing the value of items, they are looking into the stuff from when they were kids. And again, and again, selling them and buying more, creating this cycle. I think it's, I think, I think, I think what, 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 what you're kind of getting to in a, in a, in a simpler statement is just excitement and hype over this thing. And yeah, when that happens, people go looking at it and the pandemic has helped people go back into their nostalgic uh, photo albums and boxes and pulling out what they had. So I definitely think that there's something to that. Keeping on going. Yeah. Yamax has a comment for Karn with six figure Charizards out of reach for most. Are there other sets that new collectors should consider as an entry point? Now, Karn, before you jump in, I'm just going to say that Karn and I talked about this before we came on live tonight. And that's my approach. That's exactly how I'm approaching it, Yam. So I'm going to show the cards I have. I'll put them up on the screen here because I, I only have images of them. I don't have any of them in, on hand. They're actually down uh, with my brother in Arizona at this time waiting to be shipped up to me here. But um, 
I'll show I'll show them and uh but Karn I'll let you I'll let you take take the uh take this question though yeah I think that's the golden question right um I think it's uh it depends on where the market's going to go is it going to be like a, a vertical integration type of thing where first edition cars are people can't reach it so they go to the shadow list then they go to the unlimited and then they go to maybe the japanese uh card or is it going to be horizontal do people go to the second generation cars do they go to the team rocket charizard instead do they go to um the dark blastoise or something like that so it's just a matter of which direction are people going to go because there's a lot of people selling their base set and making a lot of money and i think that stays in pokemon and i think it moves away from first edition it's going to go somewhere else and it could be trophy cards too which is another high level uh part of pokemon uh, card collecting i agree 100 percent, and it comes down to the question when because i'm priced out of the charizard psa 10 i'm not i'm not about to go trade my house for a card Okay, maybe not quite, but I'm not about to go do that. But I am willing to to look for what's next then, because I know I'm not alone in being priced out. I know I know 99% of the world is priced out of that card. So if that's the case, what are they going to go to? And that's where that's where we as as you know savvy collectors can take our sports card knowledge and experience and do our best to apply it to this. If you want to dabble like I do, if you want to, and that's why I'm picking the brains of the people I trust the most that have the most knowledge, like Karn up above and my buddy Ralph. So, I mean, that, that's just, that, that's me. And if I, if, if anyone out there is a Pokemon expert, I have a feeling, Yam, that you're pretty, you're pretty in tune with Pokemon. I'd love to, to learn more. I I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to kind of immerse myself in it right now and just get caught up so I can at least talk about it. And I think I'm not alone. Um, Eli says seeing a complete PSA 10 is absolutely incredible. I don't think people realize how tough some of these gaming cards are. Uh, to get into perfect shape, even from current sealed products. Yeah, that I mean that 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 I think that speaks again to the play. These are meant to be played with, whereas mm -hmm. sports cards were never meant to be played with. They were only meant to be collected. Although kids did play with them, found way made up games. You know, you made up the games. Here's a question for here, this isn't a question, but Karn, I want you to speak to this. Frankie said, and Frankie's a very seasoned collector. He says, "Hidden Fates is being reprinted for the end of November and early December." So my question is. What does that mean to the current Hidden Fates cards that are out there floating around? Yeah, so I think uh, it's it's a major concern uh, for people on the market. They they don't want to buy Charizard at current prices if uh, the Pokemon company continues to make the cards again a year later after release, right? That's just bringing more Charizards into, into the market. But when I look at it from an outsider's perspective coming in from sports, still, there's only 2,000 graded Charizards and there's 12,000 Zion Williamson, right? Like I still think reprinting, there's still not that many, as much as people think there are in, in the Pokemon market. I, I still don't think it's as much as uh, people think it is. Well, and you have well, a really, I, sorry, sorry, Jeff, one sec, Jeff, but, but Karin, yeah, you also ahead. have a really unique perspective in that you know both markets, sports and Charizards. And the other thing is that if there's so few Charizards relative to Lucas, Meanwhile, the Charizard uh, collector base is way bigger than basketballs. I, I believe that to be true. I think Char I think Pokemon is bigger than any sports cards there that exists. I might be wrong. I just have that feeling right now. Maybe someone can clarify or, or correct me. But um, so to me, it depends how many are they re are they going to double the re the reprint? Is it going to be the same run again? Is it going to be smaller, bigger? Is there going to be a third print run? I don't know. But Jeff, sorry, I cut you off there. What what did you want to jump in with? I was just, uh, you know, I would have to imagine if they're going to reprint, hopefully they're smart enough to 
and respectful enough to do some type of designation on this reprint to where you can say like, okay, this is a second edition of the hidden fates, you know, or the reprint of the, the, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, Because I think if they just go and churn out the cards off the same printing press with the same plates, um, that would probably not, that would be looked down upon by the market because it'd be like uh, all of a sudden Panini deciding to uh, print out a bunch of more, more prisms, you know, on the, this current class, you know, you just, you, you can't do that. So hopefully they're going to do something, put some type of tell on there uh, so that, you know, this is a second printing of it. Well, Karn, do they just reprint the same cards exactly the same again? Or do they, do they add a marking to it? Like, what are you expecting to happen with a second print run? Do you, are they going to be distinguishable from the first print run? Unfortunately, uh, the Pokemon company actually doesn't even use first edition anymore. So that's not even a thing in the, uh, in the cards. So uh, they're actually just printing the same card over again, but uh mm. The market is uh, a little different in the sense that they're actually trying to do it because there's so much demand for that product. And you know how that what's happening with the uh, Panini product at Walmart? There's like 50 people like lining outside in the in the aisles. They're actually trying to make sure like all these kids get that those cards type of thing, right? It's, it's I, like it's like a board game, right? It's like you know, it's like printing Monopoly. They they'll print it forever and ever uh, the same thing if they want it because this isn't meant to be a. I didn't. I don't believe it's 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 main. Its main purpose is to be a collectible. Its main thing is to be a game. That's what I think. But I, I might be wrong on that because, like you've said, it, it is people back in 1999 were collecting them too, not just playing it. But again, it's a game, so why not keep on printing it? It's it's our fault if we want to buy the stuff. I think they'll stop though, and uh, I think in high grades, there's the low pop is still there, and I think it's still going to be exciting in the future. And they have, and obviously the Pokemon company has to recognize they, they they well they they well know that these are collectibles more so than game pieces now, so uh, you know they they have they have to have some say again. The Charizard itself is like one in like five hundred six hundred packs, so it's kind of rare in itself. So built in rare. Yeah, I think it'd be fine. This this uh, viewer says that Pokemon is the highest grossing anime of all time. That does not uh, surprise me one bit. Costa says that Charizard will never get injured like athletes. That's right. Uh, this guy says, I was eight when I started collecting Pokemon base set one in 1999. Now, 20 years later, I enjoy opening Pokemon more than hockey and sports cards. I'm a sports card collector. So this is a very, uh, it's it, it, it's a product that people have a lot of love and nostalgia for. And that's such yeah. a... It has to. Without that, I wouldn't want to be involved because that's what I'm banking on. And I'm banking on creating some nostalgia myself because I just enjoy, I enjoy. And for me, it's so new that it's all new. Imagine it's like, it's like, it's like you watch, you watch 10 seasons of the office and then you wish you could watch it for the first time again. Right. Because it's so damn good, but you can't. So I'm, I'm kind of fortunate that I get to see it all for the first time now and be kind of blown away with how, cool these things look from an aesthetics perspective what does frankie say an important aspect of why it's so collectible is because the first cards were produced by wizards of the coast same company that makes magic the gathering and then later changed to pokemon usa so we do it went through a different couple different the 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 brand the ip went through a couple of different ownership uh, groups it sounds like that's yeah, interesting the Watsi cards are considered like the, the the more collectible cards of the era i think they ended in like 2003 or four or something like that Okay, Watsi being Wizards of the Coast. I got it. Okay. He also says, making the early releases more collectible since they rotated out of the game trading card scenario. Okay. 
Yam says, Frankie, uh, WHC also made a 2001 Harry Potter set. Hint, hint, still under the radar. Uh, some Pokemon folks are character collectors and want all PSA 10 of, say, Pikachu and every major. So that's like a player yeah. collector. And I love that parallel between Pokemon and sports cards. You can be a character collector. That's wicked. That's wicked. I love it. Yeah, very true. The show and gameplay drives desirability. So the show, it's there was a show in the gameplay, and then we have some people agreeing with that. Costa says, are there any big cards in jungle or fossil first edition boxes? And I, I know just from learning recently, the answer to that is yes. There are key cards in every set. Uh, Paul says, okay, thank you, Paul. Joe says, I appreciate the concept of emotional connection. I think that is a refreshing sweet spot in the midst of the investment craze. I've said it before, Joe, and guys, I mean, the hobby, you know, whether, you know, we need collectors to drive the hobby. Otherwise, investors have no one to sell their things to at the end of the day. I, I don't think we have to have collectors. And what drives collectors is nostalgia. Nostalgia is at the core of this, of everything, that of this whole business. It's at the core. It's at the core of your living, Jeff, is nostalgia, right? But Yeah. Well, and I, I'd like to chime in on that, Jerry. Please. You know, um, in, uh, I think a lot of people use or look upon investors in uh, a negative light. And, you know, you, something you have to keep in mind is um, investors could take their money anywhere. Uh, they could put it in stocks. There's a lot of things going on crazy right now. But I think what you're seeing is, is people that have money and are investment minded connecting with the hobby. Um, and therefore investing their money into it. So, you know, even though there's a lot of times, uh, you know, looking at social media or whatever, people trying to delineate between collectors and investors, I really think the two go hand in hand. I mean, yeah, is there, you know, you could argue there if institutions get involved, uh, you know, like rally that does the fractional ownership, you know, becomes like an investment, but why are who's your end who's your end product you know who's your end buyer somebody who connects with that piece uh you know uh just hypotheticals logic could be buying this card and flip it a year later for double triple his money but i was looking at his social media and the whole reason he got into these cards is because he mentioned that when he was a kid he was so poor he couldn't buy he couldn't even buy pokemon he tried to use uh food stamps to buy packs of pokemon and stuff so now that he's got money, he's connected with it. But at the same time, it's also an investment. Yeah, you know, so. you, you, you're 100. Jeff, I, I agree with you 100. Yeah. percent We we as collectors have become investors by consequence. It's yeah, yeah. And I say it on the show all the time, Jeff. Like, I don't, I don't care what you're doing. If you're buying cards for a hundred dollars or more, or you're buying cards for amounts of money that mean something to you, you're invest you're investing because you're deploying your capital into something that you're caring for. And you may not consider yourself an investor, but unless you want to burn the cards at the end of the day or just or give them away, which you have every right to, you there's an there's very few people out there that are only investors or only collectors. And even the investors, the best part, and I don't look down on investors in this in this industry at all. I think the nice thing for the investors is that this is an investment that comes with a bit of coolness and fun and nostalgia. So what's yeah. better? what would you rather invest in shares of some bond or, or GICs or some, some company that you don't even know you own a share in it because it's deep in a mutual fund or a Michael Jordan card 
that you absolutely love. I mean, to me, it's no brainer. So I'm with you 100%, Jeff. And I think most people yeah. recognize that now that there are still the old school traditionalists who, who think the investors are ruining the hobby. Well, you can still buy your base sets and go look through pen, through through dime bins at the national. So, you know, yeah, if, no, if you, nobody's knocking down doors for for uh, you know the penny bins and whatnot. Those people will be perfectly fine. Um, but the funny thing is, too, I'll see people that have some pretty high end cards that I'll be like, oh, investors are ruining. Uh, I'm trying to get this, but the investors are all sucking it up and ruining it or whatever. It's like, well. What are you? You know, you're you're exactly in this. You know, you're wanting to buy it because there's a desirability to it. You know, and um, one one last point I'd like to make on that too is, uh, you know, one of the great investment minds, Warren Buffett, kind of his whole philosophy is very similar and interlinks the idea of collecting and inve investing and how they go hand in hand. You know, his philosophy for success is he only invests in companies that he uses the products essentially. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like collecting. Like he, when he first got big into collecting into investing, he invested big into Coke and McDonald's because he loves drinking Cokes and he eats at McDonald's, yeah. you know? So, I mean, it, it, investing and collecting will always go hand in hand because it's, it's tying something that you love into trying to do something that keeps you more engaged with it, which is hopefully making money on it down the road. I agree, man. Yeah, we, we love we love these 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 items because we have nostalgic connection to them. We love looking at them. We love we have the collector gene in our blood, and yep. uh, and and the fact that they're worth money just adds that that additional dimension of excitement, and you actually have skin in the game, sort of thing. Karn, anything to add? Yeah, I think uh, collectors and investors kind of both need each other, but I think the little contentious issue with the collector base is. There's collectors that have been hard and passionate about Pokemon since 1999, right? So they're being every day like into this community and market. So when investors come in and they don't uh, try to learn and understand what the collector mindset is in that market, they get a little ang angry about it and rightfully so sometimes. So I think it's a, a matter of there has to be a, a happy balance between uh, investors coming in, kind of learn, learn the market, talk to the people that are collectors, um, be friendly with the collectors so we can create a positive environment right now uh i'm in forums and collectors are pretty like angry about the whole investment <laughs> it happens across the sports cards as well too right yeah i think uh, i think investors have to make a point in trying to understand the intricacies of uh of the market itself just so uh everyone can work together basically so I'm coming yep. into Pokemon as a, you know, I've got the collector gene. So I'm coming in to collect it, and I'm, but I'm learning it at the same time. And, but I'm also coming into it because of the investment potential. Like I'm not going to put my money into something if I, if I don't think that it's going to maintain or increase its value. And um, so, you know, I went on eBay the other day and I bought six cards. And, you know, I'll, I'll admit it. I didn't really know what I was doing. I just knew that they looked nice. And I, I, I knew that they came from a set that was worthy of, of buying cards in. But I don't know. I did not research prices. I just know that I made the highest bid at the end of the day. And I don't know if I overpaid. I don't even want to know. I don't want to go look at what they've sold for before because I don't care what they've sold for before. I have enough experience overpaying for cards and being having great success with that in the long run that I don't care if I overpaid today. You, you, for cards to go up, somebody has to overpay on a regular basis. I don't mind being that guy because I know eventually it's going to catch up. That's been my experience for 40 years in the hobby. 
30 and of those years with that experience. The proper way as well, right? You're trying to learn the market that like this, the whole purpose of this show right now is you're trying to figure out what it's all about, what the context is, how it's got in here. And I think that's kind of like what collectors, that's all they're kind of asking for, for investors to come in and kind of just understand the, uh, the environment a little bit. So I think it's just uh, a happy uh, balance between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's to the benefit, you know, you're not a, a quote unquote good investor in this market if you don't try and understand the collector mentality you know if they do come in purely blind it's just like hey i'm coming in here to make money and oh yeah everybody's buying this charizard thing so let me go buy it you know unless you understand why and which ones or and try and get into the mind of the collector uh like anything else if you don't understand what you're getting into or take the time to you're gonna get burned yeah yeah, that's right. I bought I bought my first Pokemon cards back in June or July, it was. And I bought them after having, I think, a discussion with you, Karn, and my buddy Ralph. And, and I honed in on a specific card, and I bought three of them. And I thought, this is a card that's going to go up in value later uh, because it's not yet price it hasn't priced out the the whole hobby yet like the PSA 10 has or at least the you know it has it hasn't priced out 99% of the hobby yet let's go through some more comments I'll eventually show the cards that I have bought but uh Yam says that Logan announced tonight he's buying a second box we might have a sequel to yesterday's excitement which would be pretty cool this must be my buddy Jimmy Coco says Pikachu is the OG uh if they ever make an Ash trainer card it will blow up don't know what that means but Sounds good. Yam says, I, I think many go to 1996 Japanese base. I'm buying more of those cards now. And I'll just say for me, I am not interested in the Japanese base because I can't read them. So zero interest in that. See, I and my counter to that, uh, Jer, is I only own one Pokemon card personally, and it's from the 1996 Japanese base set because to me, one, there's a couple aspects to it. One, it's the first set where they're known as like the pocket monsters and it's like very comp comparable in the design to the 99 american set and two the the root of a pokemon is from japan so to me that's uh, people get excited about the 1999 cards because i get it. it's the first american set and a lot of the the generation that connects with it like that was their first exposure to it but to me like the true like rookie or if you're looking, you know, like using that mentality, let me find the rookie. To me, that would be the, either the 96 or uh, the 95. Uh, was it Sun? Something Sun. That Karn, maybe you can help me with the name. Top Sun. Yeah, Top Sun. There you go. There you go. Um, because it's it, it started as a Japanese product originally. So that that's my take on it, which, you know, bo both takes are valid. But, you know, that is just giving you a yeah. different uh, spin on it. I completely rec I completely uh, understand that approach. Uh, for me, I I guess the I guess for me the reason why I'm not interested in the Japanese is because the collector in me wants to be able to read the cards and and see what these things are supposed to do. And I just can't read Japanese yet in my life yet. Maybe one day I will, and then and then I'll buy them if I can read it. But but I completely understand from a purely investment or rookie card seeking sort of mentality. I can see that. Although I do, I do see the the an opposing uh, position to that, Jeff. Which is, you know, I'm trying to think of a of a case, but you know, maybe the Mike Tyson finding the Mike Tyson rookie card. You can buy that card that came out of Italy, I believe it is, or you could buy his first North American card. Is the is the Italian bread card or whatever that is? Is that an XRC or you know? 
So to me, the Japanese Charizard, from my perspective, is more of a pre-rookie card because to me, I want I want the English rookie, if you will. But I get it. I yeah. totally hear where you're coming from. And that makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure a lot of people, and Karn will know best, Karn, what do most people, like do people when they get, when they've got all the American cards they want, do they then start seeking out the Japanese or do the Japanese take cards take precedent? I think uh, there's a certain segment uh, in the market that goes for the Japanese cards. And I probably shouldn't be saying this uh, live here, but go look at the the no rarity Charizard 1996 pop report. And that'll tell you all you need to know about where that card's going to go in the future. Okay. So <laughs> lots of potential. Lots of potential. Uh, is there any value in those Walmart Pokemon blasters? Are there any hobby boxes with better hits or are all the products sold at the retail level? Karn. Um, there's all like hobby or and they're all like tin boxes. So it's all in the retail. Um, the Walmart blasters are pretty much the cards that everyone gets. So yeah, those are those. So, are. okay. Very good. Jimmy Coco's welcome. Welcome. Thank you for letting me know who you are. Even though I saw Paul direct you to StreamYard, but that's okay. Frankie says they don't usually make the distinction between reprints. Remember they are reprinting because of the game, not because of collectors. That's what I assumed. So thank you, Frankie. Coach says, now I get more excited playing Pokemon cards and sports cards. Charizard over McDavid. And I know Costa is a big hockey card collector. So that's, uh, that's, I hear you, Costa. I hear you. Tim, welcome to the show. Says, how much potential is there in gold stars, like gold star Charizard? Can you speak to that, Karn? Yeah, gold star Charizard are huge. Uh, I think there's, uh, I, I think if you're looking at modern cards, uh, the gold stars are the ones that a lot of people are collecting and they're rare and they're scarce, hard to get in high grade. So they're a good segment for sure. Okay, thank you. Jay says maybe next is garbage pail kids cars. I mean, there's been a market for those for a long time already. Yeah. So maybe even bigger, uh, you know, that you could be onto something there, staying ahead of the curve. Costa says, I hope one day there's Pokemon group breaks like in sports card, team random, or player select for Pokemon energy breaks or a single. I'm sure it's around just that that's just around the corner at this point, Costa. Bank yeah. on it, I would say. And very astute. Uh Jeremy, when are you gonna organize a show so we can show off our new Pokemon pickups? <laughs> I'm not in the show organizing business anymore, Jim. Uh Jimmy, but uh I'm sure if we we can have a meetup uh somewhere and, and and show our cards for sure. Eli says from an investment standpoint in the next 10 years, what path would you take? Pokemon or Magic the Gathering? Put that to you first, Karn. Pokemon hands down uh, for me, 100%. Hands down. Jeff, any any insight into that for yourself? I, I, I've seen people, pl uh, you know, I've seen the fanaticism for Magic the Gathering dating back to years and years ago. But I, I I think that's more that's more niche. Um, whereas Pokemon has more broad appeal. I've never played the game Magic the Gathering before. I played Pokemon with my kids. So based on my personal experience, I would have to go with Pokemon because I just think it has a, a broader appeal. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? My take, and I've looked at these cards in showcases lately and I think when I look at a, at a showcase filled with magic cards, I just see darkness and sadness. When I look at a showcase yeah. filled with Pokemon cards, I see colors and happiness. So no brainer for me. Magic magic is ugly and Pokemon is, is fun. And, and I think that's a, that's a very uh, fair assessment too, because that is one thing 
in reflecting on it, it, it is a bit dark. Whereas uh, Pokemon, there there is that light, bright, fun element to it. Yeah, for sure. Costa says, "I found out. I found out there are a lot of different country: Charizard, Spain, German, Italian, and more. So, so more versions than just Japanese and English, I guess, is what he's saying. That's that's pretty cool." Uh, Tim yeah. says, "Shout out to Irving Minera, by the way." Well, um, Tim, I'm not sure why you're shouting out Irving. Maybe it's because he does a lot of non-sport group breaks. But also, if uh, he's going to be the my guest on the main show, Sports Cards Live. Uh, when am I having him on? I had it written down for my pre-show. Irving is joining me next Saturday on Sports Cards Live, which comes on at uh, 10 o'clock Eastern, eight, uh, 7 o'clock Pacific next Saturday. So, Tim, uh, he'll be joining me as my guest. So that's pretty cool. And you're welcome for answering your previous question. We're at, Okay, first time we're at the end of the comments for the night. For the Oh, no, not anymore. Frankie says, <laughs> well, the last Black Lotus BGS 95 from the Alpha set sold for $166,000 last year. Yeah. That Black Lotus is a beast of a card. I'm well, I'm 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 familiar with it. I've heard about it. I've seen it on on PWCC auctions and so forth. Um, but again, that card to me is is a picture of a flower, and that's it. it. There's there's very, I don't know. It's not that appealing to me visually. I get its its appeal from a rarity perspective. Karn, sorry, I couldn't hear you. What are you trying to say? Uh, extremely rare. I think there's like this, there's a finite number out there. So that's uh, one of the biggest reasons why it's such a huge card, but it's been stagnant though in the last like year or so. So, okay. Fair, fair. Thank you for the comment, Frankie. So guys, do you want to see what I've bought? Do you want to see the cards that I've bought for, as far as Pokemon goes? I, I do for sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go, uh, Karn, should I go from newest to oldest card or oldest to newest card? Let's go newest oldest because I think a lot of people don't know the newest cards yet. All right. So let me just do this and I'm going to do this. So here we go, guys. This is the this card I just bought yesterday. So I don't even have it yet, but here it comes. Let's see here it. Go. Ooh. So I, I picked this is from Hidden Fates. I think is this the newest set, Karn? Uh, it's, oh. it's newer, but there's a newer set after this. Champion's Path is the newest. Okay, so is this the one that we were saying earlier is being reprinted? Uh, yeah, Hidden Fates is being reprinted. This one is. Okay, so I bought this yesterday. It's a PSA 10 Charizard GX. I don't really know what GX means, but I do see the letters GX right beside his name here. And uh, I'll be, I'll let you guys know. I paid like 150 bucks for this card. So I thought, you know what? It's a beautiful card. I think it looks really cool. I don't mind having that in my collection. So I'm going to grab it. I bought another card from this set. And this next card was like a third the price, but I think it's just so cool looking. This character, since I've discovered this character, I've thought it was a cool character. Jeff, you mentioned it earlier. I think it's the Mewtwo, also a PSA 10, the, the GX, also Hidden Fates. I think I paid like 50 bucks. So I don't know. It, I just I just bought it, again, not really knowing what I was doing, but being sort of familiar with the name of the character. So these are the two the only new cards I bought, the only non-1999 cards I bought. So they're 20 years later. Then we go into, this goes back to last, these are the, here come the six cards. I've got 11 cards altogether. There's these two I bought yesterday, six cards I bought a few days ago, and three cards I bought back in June, I think it was. So I picked up six cards from the, the base set, the main 1999 set, but they're not first edition. They're not shadowless. It's the unlimited series. They're PSA 9s. I'm, I'm happy with PSA 9s. And I picked up a Charmander. And I didn't know what I was, I really didn't know what I was doing here. I just knew that, I knew I knew the, the what it tells me on the label, 1999 Pokemon game, 
the name of the character, the PSA 9, and I knew what it was in terms of kind of what set it came from. So I was happy to get this card, even though I it was like a hundred bucks. And when I told Ralph, he's like, wow, I can't believe that's worth a hundred bucks already. And so um, I felt made me feel like overpaid, but it's okay. I, I, I can absorb it for now. So this is the, this is the, I think the, 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 the lowest value of the six cards that I bought. Here's the second one, the polyrath. So what my understanding is from the base set, the first 16 cards are considered hollows because they have really shiny background behind the character that's within that rectangle. So uh, this is a hollow at least, and it's a PSA nine. So I was happy. I don't remember what I paid for that, but I thought it was a cool looking character. So I grabbed it. A couple others I bid on and didn't get, but I bought this one. I picked up this Mewtwo, another character that I think is just kind of cool. Reminds me of my old, um, my old Sphinx cat Momo. So I bought this one. Uh, I also picked up the, the, and, and uh, Karn, how do you, is it a Gyarados? From my childhood, I said uh, Gyarados all the time. So Gyarados. Yeah, that's what my kids said too. I couldn't pronounce it either. And my son's like, it's Gyarados, dad. Yeah, I've, I've heard uh, variations, but. So is it Gyarados or is it Gyarados dad? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my gear. And thank you. Thank you, Frankie, with my with sweet pickups. I got a few more to come, but thank you, Frankie. And coming from a seasoned guy like you, I appreciate it. So I picked up the Gyarados. I also picked up the Venusaur. So this is an important one. This is the most expensive one I bought that day. It was like 600 bucks, something like that. But again, it's not first edition. It's not Shadowless. It's it's out of the, from, from the 1999 Pokemon cards, this is like the the worst, the worst. It's, it's the lowest value of all the levels that came out, the versions that came out. But again, I feel like I'm priced out. I'm not buying a Venusaur for thirty or forty thousand dollars. I don't care that much about Pokemon. I'd put that kind of money into Michael Jordan or Wayne Gretzky, Mickey Mantle maybe, but not into Venusaur, who I just discovered, and who doesn't isn't really real. There's one step actually lower than that, so it's the second worst. Oh, I didn't even know that. And yeah. what's the difference? Uh, so there's something called Base Set Two. So oh. it was essentially the reprint of base set and they actually marked it as reprint. So it's called okay. base set. Ah. Good to know. So I'm in the, th I'm in the third, third or fourth uh, kind of ranking. So I picked up the Venusaur. I all, and I, how many, uh, let me just see how many, let's just go to the next one. Uh, this will be, so I also picked up the Alakazam. Now this is card number one. I thought that was cool. I, I mean, just look at, look at this guy's face. I mean, like, I, I just thought this was an awesome design. Yeah. I, I, I can see myself, you know, thinking Alakazam. I'll see, I'll see future versions of how they painted him or what he looks like, and see how that evolves. But I just thought it was a cool card. I don't know. I don't remember what I paid for it. But but Karn, you were telling me an interesting story about Alakazam. I think before we went live, can you you want to tell that story quick? Yeah. So uh, there's actually a psychic that uses spoons in his like show, I guess, and uh, he ended up suing the the Pokemon company for uh, using his likeness on a card and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alex Sam was actually not used as a character in Pokemon for quite a bit of uh, time. So he, it just started coming back like very recently. So there's not a lot of uh, Alex Sam cards out there. All right. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, that's, that's the stuff that I would, that you don't know unless you talk to an expert, right? Like, yeah, that's right. So thank you, Karn. You, you're my, you're my go-to guy for sure. Um, before I get to the last three cards, I'm going to go to a couple of comments here. Um, so uh, I guess someone tells me base set two. Thank you, banned. I don't know what you mean by that, Costa. And then here's a question for Karn from Jimmy. What's the deal with T 
TPC not making out. There it is. You just explained it. Thank you very much. Okay. There you go, Jimmy. We're, we're ahead of you even. I didn't even read that comment first. Okay. I'm going to get the last three cards I bought. These were the first Pokemon cards I, cards I ever bought. I bought them all on the same day. And, um, and I can tell you, I'm already well ahead of the game. So here's the first one. This is your, this is your Charizard. This is, this is the guy everybody's go. talking about. But again, it's not shadowless. It has the shadow. The shadow is this little dark line, the dark shadow coming off the off the square here, and I guess on the bottom as well. It's also not first edition. If it was first edition, it would have a little stamp here. You, it would be a little black stamp right right here, which is, this is all new to me. I sound like an expert, but trust me, I'm not. Maybe I don't sound like an expert, but I sound like I know what I'm talking about, but this is brand <laughs> new knowledge for me. So it has that. So it, it again, this is... This and I'm. I'll ask you, Karn. Is this a reprint, base set two or base set one? So base set two uh, would actually have like a, a number two um, right underneath the picture, like right there. Yeah, right here. Yeah. So good. I'm glad to hear it. So this is base set one, Charlie. Now I'm going to tell you guys. I bought this card. I also bought this card, and I also bought this card. So I bought three of them on the same day, and I'll tell you because. You can look it up anyway. You can go find you can go find these. I'm sure the serial number is right there. But I basically paid eight hundred dollars each for these cards, and I bought them at a time thinking to myself, okay, it's still Charizard. It's nineteen ninety nine, and this is me using my my what I will give myself some credit for and call it my 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 collector savvy. And I thought to myself, and I didn't get any help on this. This was all on my own. But I thought to myself, listen. If the if the first edition Charizard Shadowless and the 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 Shadowless, there's also a version that's only Shadowless but not first edition. If those cards are so expensive, now we just know Jeff just sold them last night for two hundred and thirty two hundred and twenty thousand dollars. I'm so priced out of those. Even this card in a PSA ten is like three grand or so, or was at the time. I thought, you know what? I'm going to buy PSA nines. They're still mint condition. They're still beautiful. And there's something that more people can strive for. So I think it's a, it was a good investment, yet I'm not looking to flip these. I'm not going to flip these in 2020. I probably won't even flip them in the 2020s, to be honest. I'm going to hold these for a long time. And the last few that have sold are like right around the $1,600 to $1,800 mark. So I've, if I were to sell them, I've already doubled my money. And that gives me confidence in, number one, my using my, my, invest, my, my collector slash investor savvy to my in my own endeavors moving forward, more confidence in what I'm doing. And I, I, I just think there's something to be said for if you're being priced out of something, what's the next best thing? Or if you see people being priced out of something, where are they going to look to next? And this was obvious to me with my very limited Pokemon experience, but I think I nailed it. Karn, can you please assess my, 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 my Pokemon entry? Yeah, I think it's a very good idea because I think there's going to be a lot of like-minded uh, individuals that are like yourself. They're going to look at that uh, vertical integration way and they're going to start looking at the cheaper Charizards and uh, the base set rookie card Charizard. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a good choice. I think the only downside, uh, I would say, or what a collector in, in the hardcore community would say is there's probably a thousand times more of those versions than the first edition version. But then again, if... Uh, the market availability isn't as high on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, that, that probably doesn't matter that much. So, yeah. And if you look at the the pop report, and I don't remember what it is right now, but I've looked at it. It wasn't offensive to me like some sports cards are, you know. So, um, and I think the fact that these were played with back in 1999, a lot of them, that you know, how many, how much 
even even if the even if we see more and more submissions, you know, especially with what's going on with Logan Paul and and Jeff with Iconic broke the record yesterday, and it's being tweeted and Instagrammed all over the world right now. It's going to drive more people to find those albums from when they were a kid and go through them. But are those cards going to be in mint condition or better? I, I'm going to say no. There will be no. lots that will be, but not all of them. So while there is room for the population to still go up and increase, I don't know if it's going to double or triple, but it will. And, and let's also face it, grading costs have gone up this year. So that's going to be a bit of a barrier to even more of them being graded. And it's a pain in the butt to get cards graded too, for the most part. So but that won't stop people from grading the true gems. I, I get it. So, I think I I completely agree with you. Um, the community aspect, they're saying kind of uh, there's thousands and thousands of the booster boxes out there of the unlimited booster boxes. And at a certain point, if that price level goes up on that individual Charizard, people are going to start opening up the booster boxes. But honestly, I don't. I don't. I, I agree with you. I don't think the the pop report's going to go up as much as people think it is. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's there. It's a very condition sensitive set, um, even though, you know, you don't have the traditional squared off edges uh, and corners rather uh, of sports cards. Um, those edges get uh, get nicked up pretty easily. And then the surface, there's a lot of I was talking to uh, Jared, the, my consignment director, my resident Pokemon expert, I should say about this. And there's a lot of, you know, which we're experiencing now in sports cards. With, uh, with especially with prisms, the printing flaws, the dimples and whatnot, uh, he's saying there's a lot of print line issues with uh, with uh, that Pokemon set. So you know, you might maybe somebody has one that's well preserved, but you got a printing flaw. You know, so it's an eight. Or, you know, we pick pick a number, but it's going to be hard, very hard to get nines and tens, even opening up fresh product. Yeah, you know, you and uh, what I've learned already is where you where you look, you know, it's hard to tell surface from a, an eBay auction. But if you're yeah. looking, if you're looking at the card, you have to look at the back and you have to look at those blue borders because those blue borders chip. And I saw I was looking at one. I don't remember what the card was, but I was looking at this card earlier today on eBay and it was in a PSA 10 holder. And I saw it on the top right and the bottom left. I saw like like white little white nicks within that blue so and i understand there's that you know even a psa 10 has some room for a couple of for a flaw or two but you know there's it's definitely not going to get a bgs 10 type of thing and so there you know again that comes back to not all 10s are the same not all nines are the same but with chart with pokemon you have to look at those edges because cor their corners don't really exist but the edges certainly do exist and you have to look really closely at them and centering is a big issue as well and I'm just looking at the the I'm just looking at this one right here. I'll just bring it up one more time. And I mean, I'm looking at this. The centering on this guy is like pretty much bang on perfect. So I'm happy with that. How about this one? It's off a little bit right to left. Yeah. And this one back to pretty Solid. much perfect. I mean, maybe top to bottom is 50, you know, 48, 52 or something like that, but it looks pretty bang on to me. And uh I think it was Jimmy made the comment here that all different PSA cases on the Charizard. So, yeah, we got the new one. We got the original one. Well, these two are the same, are they not? Yeah, I think the two are the same, actually, Jimmy. But but the I think, unless I'm missing something, but definitely a different one over here in the middle. So, okay, a couple more comments coming in. Uh, Eli, awesome, awesome show. Thanks, Jer, Karn, Jeff, enjoy it. And thank you, Eli, if you're still there. Good night. We'll hopefully get to see you at an expo soon. 
Uh, do print lines drastically affect the grades? Great question. Yeah, Jeff, you go ahead. Yeah. Carl. Yeah, so something like uh, in Generation 2, uh, you'll see a card like uh, Lugia, who the PSA 10, there's only 41 copies, and the reason being uh, the hollow gets scratched. So that gets docked right away. And then in first, uh, first edition base set, the Chansey, it's these lighter cards, have these, uh, they're prone to scratches on the hollows. So there's not a lot of PSA 10 in the pop report, and that makes those cards like 20x uh, the PSA 9 versions. Okay, very good. Thank you. Costa, nice cards. Jeremy, thank you, Costa. Costa and Jimmy are local guys here who I know. And uh, I mean, these are guys I used to see on a monthly basis, if not more regularly. So I'm glad you guys are hanging out with me tonight, at least, guys. Good to see you. Well, listen, I mean, um, <clears throat> this has been a lot of fun. I want to let everybody know uh, Karn is going to be joining me again on Halloween. We're going to have Halloween. I decided to make it a Pokemon themed episode for the main episode of Sports Cards Live. And uh, my buddy Ralph, who I've alluded to a couple times tonight, will also be making an appearance. And um, so that should be fun. And I mean, as you can tell, I'm pretty excited about Pokemon. It, sports cards, still number one for me, always will be. Uh, I'm just I'm just getting my, my dipping my toes into Pokemon. We'll see how crazy I get, but I am willing to take a you know a certain amount of of capital and deploy it into Pokemon because I can see myself enjoying it. And I look at it, and it does give me happiness inside my brain. And that's, uh, that's just something that, that I'm willing to pay for, I guess. So, um, and when Jerry, when... I got a question, it actually it applies for both of you. So which characters are you guys going to be dressed up as on Halloween? I, I, the world wants to know. Me and Jerry will work on it. We'll do a little, uh, dual, uh, costume. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't hold your breath. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't hold your breath out there guys. But, uh, I mean, we'll see. Probably no costume for me. I don't wear I don't wear costumes on Halloween. Any any Halloween, I I go to costume I go to costume parties, and unless my girlfriend at the time uh, forces me into something, um, I usually just uh, go as as light as I can as far as Halloween goes. But that's just me. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So hey, guys, listen. Um, we're we're well past this show. Usually lasts an hour. We're an hour forty minutes. I want to thank you both for joining me, and both of you last minute. So thank you both. Uh, sure. And Jeff, I mean, it was great to have you. Great to see you. I mean, you you know how I feel about you, man. It's always good to see you, Karn. Yeah, I love you, buddy. I love you too, bro. I love you too, Karn. Uh, great to see you too, man. And it's funny, Karn's been on the show before, back in the era when you were on it, the era that was way back in April of 20, April, early May of 2020. You guys might have even been back to back episodes, as far as I know. But, yeah. um, but, uh, you know, I want to thank you both. And Karn, uh, we haven't met in person yet, which is funny. I feel like, I, I feel like, I feel like we have. We, we've that. hung out at least on, on, on you know, in, in studio, streaming live. It's a lot of fun, but we'll have you back on Halloween, Jeff. We'll be in touch, I'm sure. We talk regularly. We'll talk. Say hi to all the people at the office. Uh, or you know, that that you know, you know who I'm talking about. Absolutely. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Um, and uh everybody else out there watching, thank you for joining. This has been a lot of fun on Sports Cards Live after hours. We'll be back on Wednesday. I got I got a, my, my Wednesday night guest on Sports Cards Live is actually pretty impressive. His name is Ryan Johnson. He has a sports card shop in in Ohio. But he goes by Card Collector 2 on Instagram. He was like the first card guy on Instagram. He's got just shy of maybe by now 40,000 followers on Instagram. Wow. Yeah, for a card. And it's a card account. 
And he's also the guy that organizes the trade night at the National. Jeff, you'll remember, I went to it last time. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. He's the guy that organizes that. So nice. Um, an interesting, an interesting guy. I don't know him very well yet, but I'm looking forward to having him on on Wednesday. And then next Saturday is one of my favorite breakers, uh, Irving Manera, the mustache breaks, a guy I've known for 12 years probably now, which is awesome. I can't wait to have him on. So check out those episodes, guys. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't yet. Thank you to Karn. Thank you to Jeff Wolf, guys. Pleasure to have you. Um, Final comment comes in. Jeremy, are you going to be in Ant-Man 3 reprising your role as Darren Cross? Yeah, just on the contract. I'm, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping to get a bit of Corey Stoll's payday on that. That would be all right. I don't know if you remember, Jared, but I was in the theater watching Ant-Man, and I literally texted you when he came on the screen. I was like, this, Jeremy's in Ant-Man. I do remember. I do yeah. remember that. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, guys, uh, Jeff, say hi to Sonny. Say hi to the kids. Will do, brother. Good stuff. And in the future, Costa and Jimmy in an episode. Hey, we can talk about that for sure, guys. Probably, yeah, we definitely talk about it. That's it. Good night. You two just wait there one second. Everybody else, good night. I'm ending the broadcast now. I'll let you guys say your goodbyes, and I'm going to hit the end broadcast button. Take care, peeps. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. My pleasure, guys. One moment. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.